Amen. Well, welcome to Bible class tonight. We're on message number 20 in our Genesis study. We're going to look at the story about Hagar, Abraham and Hagar tonight. We're in Genesis 16. If you want to turn over there, we're going to follow along. All right, so we uh, Sunday we, we covered Genesis 15. Uh, I hope that message was meaningful to you. I hope it kind of laid out some things and showed you some things about the covenant that God made with, with Abram. Um, so that was kind of a highlight, wasn't it? That was a real high point in, in Abram's life. That, that's, that, that will get on the resume. We're going to put that there. That's pretty important. That's a highlight. Well, Genesis 16 kind of goes the opposite direction. This is one of them lowlights. This is kind of the one nobody wants to talk about. So here's, here's a good question. How do we go from good to bad so quickly? That's human beings. So we, we can go from being right on target like Abraham was in Genesis 15 to missed it by a mile. The old boy said missed it by a country mile. That's, that's a little bit further than a mile, anybody. Uh, it's kind of like Peter. You know, Peter goes from one conversation. Uh, Jesus, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the, the next story is get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God but the things of men. That's the same guy. Just in a, in a short span of time, I, how is it that we do that? We, we're just kind of prone to that, aren't we, unfortunately? Uh, now, what we're going to see about Abraham is, is not real flattering tonight, but I'm, I'm thankful that the Bible is very candid about the mistakes of the prominent people that's in it and the people that we respect. I, I, aren't you glad that... that, that I, I'm thankful for two things. I'm thankful that the Bible is very candid about them, and I'm thankful that I'm not in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it, it's like the Bible tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It don't matter who it's on, right? It don't matter if it's King David. It don't matter if it's Abraham. Here we go. All right, so 16. Genesis 16 is not a pretty picture. I hope you've read ahead a little bit. It's, uh, it's perplexing as far as you're reading it, looking at it. It's oppressive. It seems like they're struggling again. Abraham and Sarah are struggling again about how is this thing going to make sense? How is God's will going to come about anybody ever struggle with that kind of thing how are we going to get through this so just kind of get, keep our time frames in we, we're about 10 years from genesis 12 when god called abraham it says it right at the top of the chapter we're about 10 years out or 10 years into this journey uh, they got a pretty good ways to go until isaac's going to be born all right so this is a story about waiting on god or maybe not waiting on god we should say right they kind of jumped the gun a little. It's, it's about these, these impulses that we get about the way we think things ought to go. The scripture talks a little bit about the carnal mind. The New Testament does. The carnal mind. It's, it's the mind that's set on the things of the flesh or the things of the world or selfishness kind of thing. That, that Those impulses that come up to us, they, they seem so right to us sometimes, don't they? They seem so logical and so reasonable that we just do it. So Genesis 16 kind of tells a very human story. We, we had a very divine story in Genesis 15, it was a very godly story. It was a vision of some wonderful things that happened. This story is a very human story. So, so it's great when we get the promises, though, right? Don't we like that? We sing a song about it. We jump and shout and holler. The promise is great, but the process is a whole different deal, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? Every, every promise has to go through a process before it's fulfilled. It just is that way. It works its way through time. And that's where the trying or the trials come in. The test, we might say. So the good news is that we make mistakes. We sin. We fail. We compromise. But the good news is the Lord saves, forgives, and restores. Aren't you glad about that? We're going to see his redemption even in this, this story. 
So we're going to cover five people tonight as we read along. Five people are going to show up in chapter 16. We got Abram, we got Sarai, we got Hagar, who's going to be their slave girl, and we got Ishmael, who's the baby that's going to be born at the end of the chapter, and God shows up, this mysterious figure called the angel of God, the angel of the Lord. All right, so now, before we get into chapter 16 now, most people that I know and I've been acquainted with, they seem to have that one name in their story or that one season in their story where they would like to get out the eraser and erase all that. Anybody got that? Hmm. We got that one name in the story that where we'd like to maybe a do-over on that deal? Anybody? <laughs> now for Hagar, it's going to be Sarah. Hagar is, is going to hate the day she met Sarah. Now for Sarah, guess who it's going to be? It's Hagar. They, these girls get cross-wired bad. All right? So, mm. so frequently our woulda, coulda, shoulda moments, you, you, you ever have some of those woulda, coulda, shoulda? I, I should have done something different. Frequently as humans, they involve one of two things. Not, it's not everybody's story, but, but many people's story. It involves sex or anger. Now what we have in today's story is both of those. We're going to have both of them. Some of our lowest moments have been involved with the wrong person sensually, romantically kind of thing. Moments we wish we could forget or put behind us. Or moments where we lost our temper and did something way off kilter. So, and I tell you what, you ought to read your Bible because chapter 16 is a soap opera. <laughs> chapter 16 is a soap opera. There ain't no doubt about it. All right, let me see. All right, so now, this anger and sex thing, you know, Jesus referred to both of those in the Sermon on the Mount. As things that we need to address, and he addresses. All right, let's get some text on it. Verse number one of chapter 16 says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. All right, so now we, we got the promise. What's the promise? What's the promise God's given to Abraham? He's going to have a son, he's going to, be, he's going to have a seed, he's going to be a father of, of many nations, he's going to be a blessing to the entire world. The promise is a good promise. It's a good promise. But what's the problem? He's old, she's old, and what? they don't have any babies. They don't have any, any children whatsoever. Certainly don't have a son to carry on the family name and the legacy. So that, that's a problem. So, so now, how, how is this thing going to happen? How are we going to bridge this gap between the promise and the problem? How are we going to get there? Now, what, what kind of clarity did Abraham get in Genesis 15? He, he got a little bit of clarity. Remember, he came and said, uh, he had an idea too. So in 15, we see Abraham's idea. And that was Eleazar, remember that? He, he said, I'll, I'll let my servant, he can be the heir to my house. He can, be, he can carry on my name. I'll just adopt him into the family, he can carry on my name. And God said, no. He said this, he gave him a little bit of clarity. He said, the son you're going to have is going to come from your body, right? We saw that in chapter 15. So he gets a little bit of clarity, and he had, a, he had an idea. Tonight in 16, Sarah has an idea, all right? So how is all this going to happen? That's what begins to fold out in 16 and the remaining chapters all the way to chapter 22. Verse 2 and 3. So Sarah said to Abram, here's her idea. See, now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded 
the voice of Sarah. All right? Kind of like a lamb led to slaughter right there. Hey, how about you go sleep with her? Oh, okay. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. All right? All right, so now you see the scenario, what's happening here? Just a little diagram I drew right here, just a little scenario. So you tell me what could go wrong with this picture. We got a wife, we got a man, we got another woman, and we got a baby. What could go wrong? Yeah, it's about to get rough, ain't it? Too many women. <laughs> too many. There's too too many in there, ain't it? <laughs> too many women. So they, it's it's going it's going. You know, I, I don't I don't get it. But Proverbs 16:25 says this: There is a way that seems right to us humans, to a man, but it's end is a way of death. It just seems so practical, so right. All right, now now think about this. All right, so now. Question, you, 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 I'm asking you to look for these patterns. We, we talked about in Genesis 1 through 11, all these patterns that got laid out. You, know, you get the testing pattern, you got the idea of the, the snake people and all the, the war that's going to happen. You got all these patterns, and there's, there's many, many of them, actually. Now, let's, listen, do we have any other stories? So Sarah's made a suggestion to her husband to do something. All right? Do we have any other stories about a time of testing where the wife approaches the husband and the husband listens to the voice of his wife instead of the voice of God. Hmm. So right away, so we, we've been putting the story together. That's why it's so important to go through the books of the Bible and so, through the stories and put it together. Right away, we've got, it, this is a tree of knowledge of good and evil moment for them. You see what I'm talking about? That's what it's telling us by putting those little pictures together. We, we put that little picture together in our mind and we're meditating on it. Because the Bible's not just literature to read, it's literature to chew on and meditate upon. And you begin to put this picture together, you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's, huh. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's another testing moment. It's another tree of the knowledge of good and evil moment. So it's a moment of testing, a moment of choice. And guess what Abraham and Sarah do? They do... What all humanity has done, guess what they do? They fail. They fail this test. And it's going to have, I mean, it's got international consequences to what happens in Genesis 16. All right? So now, here's some faith lessons. Put these together. Okay? Just this little part we got. Human solutions don't fit God-sized promises. They just don't. Just meditating on that. I thought about that. I just, I wrote that sentence this afternoon. Human solutions. See, we got a way that we think that it ought to go, or the way we ought to go, or what we ought to do. But human solutions just don't fit God-sized promises. They don't fit. And this story illustrates our feeble attempts to make things happen in our time frame. Don't we have a problem with that? I mean, I'm not talking about just Abraham and Sarah, us. We all have a problem with being on God's timetable. We all have that problem. We talked about it a couple weeks ago about synchronizing our watches with, with God. You know, synchronizing our, our lives, our will, our, 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 our timing, whatever it might be. It's tough. It's tough. Thank God he's merciful. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. But this, this lesson, what we see right here, it warns of the consequences of impatience. Of us jumping the gun. And doing the Frank Sinatra thing. You know what the Frank Sinatra thing is? I did it my way. I don't think he's singing that song now. 
Anyway. So a couple more ideas here. Listen to me. If it's God's promise to you, it's God's problem to solve for you. You hear me on that? If God makes a promise, he already knows the problem. And it's his. The best thing we can do is just keep it in his court. I mean, God, you got a problem. Abraham learns that lesson by the time he gets to chapter 22 because he takes Isaac up on that mountain. Isaac is the promise. And he, he's going to take He said, okay, God, you told me to do this. You, you told me to take his life. I'm going to take him up there. you got a problem. You're going to have to solve it. And he learns the lesson. And now, he didn't learn it in 16. He learns it later in life. But thank God he learned it. So keep it in God's court. If he's made you a promise, shared something with you, let him work out the problems. It just helps. Now, you're going to have something to do in the, in the process, but make sure it comes from him. All right, because if we we learn now, we learn the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What what part do we think we see? Always in the choice. We think we always see the good part, but what always blindsides us? Mm, we didn't realize it had that to it, that evil part, right? And and the last little lesson right here coming through this, human wisdom never quite thinks through all the way. It never quite think things through, all the way through. We, we got blinders. We got blind spots. We just don't quite have it. So God's wisdom is necessary, right? It's necessary to our process and to our fulfillment. All right, so, so he went into Hagar. And she conceived. I'm telling you, you ought to read your Bible now. It's got some stuff in here now. I feel for these people teaching Sunday school for these kids when they come across some of these stories. You just got to, all right, y'all go to chapter 17. <laughs> we can't be doing all this because it, it's got a lot of adult parts in it. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Now, this is the old English word, the use of the word mistress, like, like mister or master. And the, the idea of misery or mist, mistress. That, so that's Sarah, okay? So Hagar's going to get a little attitude. Then Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. Well, that's a nice thing for a wife to say, isn't it? Y'all better keep looking up here. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she, Hagar, fled from her presence. What in the world is going on? Let's talk about Sarah for a little bit. Sarah, that's Abram's wife, right? Her problem is she's barren. She can't bear children. Her womb is closed up, as, as the old writers would say. And, and that's, that's a big deal for a woman. Any woman. You know, they got all this nonsense about womanhood and manhood they're trying to bring into the world today. It ain't never been like that since Adam and Eve. It ain't never been like that. Womanhood has always been related to having children. And that's a very important thing for women. Now, some people medically have to just deal with certain things. Sarah's having to deal with it right here. In biblical days, barrenness, ancient times, barrenness was often considered a curse. That you were living under some kind of judgment was the reason why you couldn't have children. Now, thankfully, we've kind of come past some of that nowadays. 
But in the Bible, you've got to just know that's, that's in Sarah's culture. That's in her mind. She's got to deal with that. Her psyche has got to be, is getting pounded with that idea. Okay? And not to mention, I mean, they need, they need family to take care of them. I mean, you're living in an agrarian type culture. You're living in, on the farm. You've got animals. You've got all kinds of things going on. You have to have, I mean, these families, they have a bunch of kids. If nothing for the reason of practicalities. It's kind of like my daddy told me one time when I was fussing about cutting the grass. My daddy looked at me and said, why do you think I had you? <laughs> so I don't have to cut it no more. That's why I had you. But it's, it's a big problem with Sarah. It's a big struggle. Now she's on up in age. And she's, I, had, I, didn't, I forgot to do the math on her age. But uh, she's probably somewhere around 65, 70 years old at this point. It, it, we know both of them are, are past the childbearing age. Right? So, so now, because of the information that they got in Genesis 15, she now believes and knows that she's the problem. She's the reason they can't have kids. Now, see, they didn't have doctors like we have. They could go take blood tests and do fertility tests and things like that. They didn't have all that. They just figured it wasn't working. Something wasn't working. They didn't know if it was him or her. Well, God said it's going to come from you. So they come home and they talk about it. And Sarah's like, this is how we get all, all of chapter 16. Sarah's like, okay, honey, we know what we got to do now. I'm the problem. My, my body It's not you. There's nothing wrong with your body. There's something wrong with my body. This is what this woman's having to deal with. So you kind of can sympathize with her a little bit. So a lot of torment in her life. So now Sarah is at the point of desperation and frustration. And you know, you put desperation and frustration together and you get a mess. And that is usually when we make some of our worst decisions, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. And, they, and they're going to make a bad decision here. It's, it's going to cost them. Now, Sarah's idea was, was real plain and simple. Here's my servant girl, Hagar. You take Hagar. Now, th- this was totally culturally acceptable. I'm not saying God, God accepted it. Although God does pour a blessing upon Hagar and her son. But culturally, it was accepted in those days that if, 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 the, if the matriarch could not have babies, they would have, have the slave girl be a surrogate. You know, a, a surrogate, is that how you say it? Surrogate? Yeah. Surrogate mother? Okay. So she says, take him. He says, <laughs> I, I, I mean, they're in the tent talking. They lived in a tent, okay? They're talking. I can hear Abram say, you sure about this? <laughs> I'm telling you, he's laying like a slam to slaughter now. I'm telling you. Are you sure about this? You're not going to be mad at me, are you? You're not going to get upset. <laughs> yeah. So they... they I mean, they, they, they're human. They're, they're talking this out. And, uh, all right, you pinky promise. <laughs> you, you promise me, right? You know, you, you're not going to be upset with me. Okay. Well, as it happens, he takes Hagar and she gets pregnant. And then it all starts to happen. It starts to shake down. And it says, I, Sarah, became despised in Hagar's eyes. That's what verse 5 says. So, Hagar gets a little bit of an attitude here. 
And jealousy and pride are just right there on the doorstep, right? Hmm. And it enters into their relationship and conflict comes. And there is a fight. Sarah gets mad and guess who she gets mad at? First, I mean, she don't go to Hagar. <laughs> she don't go to Hagar. Guess who she gets mad at? I mean, she just said it. The Lord judge between me and you. Now, woman, whose idea was this? That, don't you want to say that? I mean, can, all the guys, they're scared to death to say anything right now. But <laughs> uh, I can hear Abraham saying, Who, whose idea was this now? Why, why are you going to go throw off on me? Why are you going to be mad at me? I, 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 but it just is what it is. Done. It's a done deal now. Whose idea was this? But she gets mad at him anyway. And Abram says, okay, you, you deal with her however you want to. You resolve this however you want to. So I'll tell you what Sarah did. It says that Sarah dealt harshly with her. I, I don't know what Hagar was doing. Maybe she just had the proud carrying the, the patriarch's baby kind of thing going on and kind of strutted her stuff a little bit. I don't know. Because her status just got elevated from slave to wife. That's a big deal for her. You know. So she may have been prancing a little bit. She's not totally innocent in this according to scripture. Although she is a slave. And Sarah dealt harshly. That, that means that the Hebrew word right there means that she afflicted her. It, it, it's used of the same word that where Abra, uh, excuse me, Pharaoh afflicted the children of Israel in Egypt. It's the same word that's used. That, that like he beat, beat her, right? she beat her or something. I mean, they had they had a knockdown, drag out, what what Mama called a cat fight. That's what's happening here. Two women tangled up. One is older and upset, and maybe a little bitter. I ain't gonna lie. I can't defend too much of her. I'm sure she's a little bitter over all this stuff. It ain't come, it ain't turned her way, right? And one is young and pregnant and a little puffed up, and them two trains collide on the same track. And guess who's in the middle? The man who didn't do anything, who just did what he was told. No, it's, anyway, so here we go. Conflict seems to always come from carnal decisions. Just better know that. Conflict between Sarah and Abraham, and between Abraham or excuse me, Sarah and, and uh, Abraham and, and Sarah and Hagar. Conflict always comes out of carnal decisions. You know what I mean by carnal? The opposite, of a carnal, the opposite of a carnal decision is a spiritual decision. It's like a fleshly decision or something that's selfish in nature or on the wrong path in nature and something versus something that's godly in nature and wise in nature. That's how Paul talks a little bit about the carnal mind. And he says the carnal mind is, is at war. It's, it's at enmity is what the old King James used. It's at enmity against God. It fights against God and his will and his purposes. And this is what happens. Conflict always comes out of this. Carnal decisions seem to inflate human pride and they open up the door to the kingdom of darkness. And that's what happens here. Hmm. A little more text. Verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her, found Hagar. So she, she had to bolt out of town, right? She chose to anyway. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring of the way to shore. And he said, the angel of the Lord, Hagar, Sarah's maid, 
Where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. I've got another picture here. Do we have any pictures of any of our other stories of somebody who was involved in some kind of bad situation and they went and hid and God come and ask them a question? Where, where are you at? Mm-hmm. So it's not just where you are, it's where, where are you supposed to be? That's kind of the idea, again. She said, I'm, 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 I'm fleeing from Sarah. She fled from her. She ran away, right? And she runs into the wilderness. Well, the wilderness is not a good place to be, especially if you're pregnant. And a woman. I mean, you, you, you don't have any way to defend yourself. I mean, there's all kinds of wild animals out there. There's all kinds of wild tribes and caravans of slave traders. All kinds of crazy stuff is going on. So she goes from a bad situation with Sarah into a worse situation into the wilderness. And that's oftentimes where all this desperation and frustration leads you. And anger leads you right into a worse situation, I can promise you. So, and God asked her two questions. Where have you come from? And where are you going? What's your plan, Hagar? Have you thought this through? What are you going to do? Let's talk about her for a moment. Hagar. So she's an Egyptian slave girl. Hmm, Egyptian slave girl. How, how would they get a hold of an Egyptian slave girl? Well, remember that deal back in Pharaoh? When when he lied about her being his wife and all that kind of thing? Just tell him you're my sister kind of deal. And and, and then Pharaoh says, oh, man, why didn't you tell me? Y'all get out of here. And it says that Pharaoh just gave him all kinds of gifts and people too. It's very, very possible. We don't have the, the exact idea about it but it's very very possible that Hagar was a part of that deal that she came with them from there um, and she probably had a decent life with Abraham she probably had a decent life with him uh, up to this point obviously it seems to be certainly better than it would have been in Egypt I, I would much rather if I'm going to be a slave I'd much rather be a slave in Abraham's house than in Pharaoh's house for sure So, and, and this idea of her being a slave that's, that's uh, you know a lot of talk about that nowadays. But slavery was a universal practice back then. Just about every ethnicity group or ethnic group has been a part of the slave system, either in slaveholders or being enslaved. You know that? And I think about stories I've heard about some of our ancestors, some of the Irish folks that come over into this country, and, and they basically were slaves. You know, slaves in Ireland, poor folks. Trying to get away, and then when they hit these shores over here, boy, they got taken advantage of and run in the ground. Many of them died in those slums, in those Irish slums. Hmm. Slavery was a universal practice, and it's not a good practice, but it's human sin and oppression meeting right there. So Hagar was a part of that. So she's a tragic figure in this story. There's no doubt about it. She's used and abused by Sarah. She's used by Abram. But, you know, we'll get this later in the story. It says that, you know, later he's going to have to put them out for good. Like, from about 13 years from now, it happens. He's got to put them out for good. But it says this about him and, him and Hagar. Abraham loved Sarah. I mean, excuse me, Abraham loved Hagar. He loved her. So I, I think that's implying that Abram treated her very well. Mm. So, All right, let's pick up this last 
This last person that comes into the story. The angel of the Lord said to her. Return to your mistress. Go back to Sarah. And submit yourself under her hand. What? Go back. Now, now think about this. I mean, we could we could press a big psychological evaluation into this whole situation. How, how do you think Hagar's feeling right about now? I mean, God comes to her. And, I mean, this is the angel of the Lord. Now, God comes to her, and he's he, here's the word for you: Go back to Sarah. How do you think she's feeling? Whew, that's a tough word, ain't it? That's a tough word when God goes to tells you to go back to the thing you've been running from. But you can't keep running. And not only that, that's not just go back to Sarah. The word of the Lord is go back to Sarah and submit yourself to her. Whoa. That's tough, isn't it? Now why in the world would God say such a thing to this woman? Why would he say it? Well, what, what, what happens to a pregnant woman if she stays in the wilderness? She's going to die, for sure. Or if she flees to another... If she gets to where she thinks she's going towards, she goes to another town, her, her fate could be even worse. Because not everybody's like... They live in a bad neighborhood. We've already seen all these bad caravans and kings and tribes that's already come and they're warred and they're fighting with each other. Well, what are they going to do with a young slave girl? It ain't going to be pretty for her. So God comes with a hard word that is actually her best option. Return. Go back to where you belong. Go, go back home. Your home is with Abraham and Sarah. You, you go back home. So now here. Here's the faith lesson. It's a real test of faith when your will collides with God's word. She's going to have a real struggle right here, ain't she? But it's her best option. And to her credit, she does it. She listens to the word of the Lord and she obeys it. All right. So now, verse 10. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, he begins to tell her about her, her future, the future of the baby. I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. There's going to be a whole bunch of them. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He, Ishmael, shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brothers. What in the world is this? So you name that child Ishmael. Ishmael means God hears. God hears. All right? And the prophecy over his life, God says this is the kind of person he's going to be. And his descendants are going to be this kind of people. They're going to be wild. The old King James says a wild ass of a man is what it says. He's going to be wild like a bucking donkey. He's going to fight everybody. And everybody's going to fight him. And he's going to live among his family members, his brothers. And they going to fight. And they all going to fight. And guess how many sons come from Ishmael. This is really interesting. So you got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has how many sons? Twelve. Twelve tribes, right? Guess how many sons Ishmael has? Twelve. 
12. 12 tribes come out of Ishmael, a whole nation of people. Hmm. But what God says about these people, there's going to be trouble, conflict, and family feuding all their lives. Hmm. So, listen. Where's this all taking place? The Middle East, right? And know this. Some of the Arabian people are Ishmaelites. Some of those folks, a lot of them over in that Middle East area are Ishmaelites. They have their heritage. Their roots go right back to Ishmael. Not all of them, but many of them. How would you describe that area? <laughs> it's kind of wild. And I've been there several times. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, and Ishmael, you know, Ishmael is... The Muslims consider themselves to be the spiritual descendants of Ishmael. You know that? So you get into all kind of modern day geopolitical problems right here just coming out of this story in Genesis 16. Right? So Muslims believe Ishmael to be the promised son of Abraham. I remember sitting down at the table, a Turkish man, he's, he's, he's a Muslim. And, and Muslim means servant of God. It's... it's, it's you got Islam, which is the name of the religion, and Muslim is the name of the followers. Uh, he's having this big argument with me about Ishmael being the son and not Isaac being the son. You know, we're talking about all that. But this is a worldwide conflict happening today, right? And it all starts right here. This is where it starts. And the last of it. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. It's the name she gave God. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Beer Leo Roi. Observe it as it's between Kadesh and Barad. And so Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. All right, let's wrap it up with this. The angel of the Lord. There's this mysterious figure that keeps popping up in the Old Testament. I believe it's somewhere around nine times or so it's mentioned in the, in the Old Testament. Who is this angel of the Lord? We're, well, right here we certainly know it's an appearance of God in human form. Now think about this. You've got a slave girl who's in conflict. And she runs out to the wilderness by herself. And God himself goes out there to her in human form. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty merciful. And Hagar meets God and God, he gives her a prophecy about the child. And Hagar gives God a name. That's interesting because God usually is the one revealing name, his own name. But Hagar says this, this is God, this is who God is. You are the God who sees. We would say that Jehovah Roi, R-O-Y-I is how you translate transliterate the Hebrew in that. You are the God who sees. You, you, you saw me. I, I came out here in the middle of nowhere and I'm nobody and I have nothing and I'm in desperation and I have no answer for all of my dilemma. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen with my future, but I know you saw me. You hear what I'm talking about? 
And then she makes this statement. I have also here seen him. She had a question. Have I also here seen him who sees me? That's a neat little phrase, isn't it? God saw me and and I saw the one who saw me. (laughs) And you know what? That's where transformation begins. When you realize that God sees you right where you are. Not the who you should be or not what you want to be. I'm talking about who you are. She's in trouble. She's mad. She's angry. Her arrogance has got her in trouble. This whole conniving between Sarah and Abraham had got her in trouble. She's kind of a pawn in this deal. It's all got her in trouble. And then then she got involved and tangled up and tied up with it all. And God saw not where she was going. God saw her right where she was. You know what? As a slave girl, guess, guess what? Nobody's ever seen her before, really. Nobody paying attention to that. She's, she's just somebody's property. From the time she was in Egypt to maybe even living in Abraham's house. She, she wasn't nobody. And God said, I see you. That changed your life now. If you realize that God sees you. And that's, that's the word of the Lord to us as we pull out some of this for ourselves. Do you know God sees you right where you're at? In your struggles, in your failures, your bad habits, your hopes, your wishes, your dreams, your brokenness, what you're struggling with. God sees you right where you are. Just as I am. That's the song. That's the old song. I just come just as I am. God sees us just who we are. And, and he sees us different. See, see no, nobody's ever seen her like that. Ever. Seen her as somebody of value, of worth. You are the God who sees. Amen. Amen. So no matter what struggles, job struggles, family struggles, marriage struggles, financial struggles, survival struggles, Future struggles, what am I going to do with my life struggles, conflict struggles, God sees you right where you are. Amen. And I pray one day you'll realize, or you will see the one that sees you. That's where salvation comes. That's what saved her, wasn't it? Let's pray. Hi, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story, Lord, that's strange and it's convoluted and twisted up a little bit but it's a human story it's our story involves a lot of this kind of stuff bad decisions things we shouldn't have got involved in people we shouldn't have got involved with but that's part of our story and lord no matter how tied up tangled up and wrapped up we might be in all of it you see us right where we are and you by your grace and by your mercy you choose to rescue us we thank you for that. We thank you. you. I look back at my life. You had no reason really to rescue me. But you've done it time and time again. And I thank you. I thank you are the God that has seen me time and time again. I pray everyone within the sound of my voice can know that without a shadow of a doubt. That God sees me. And God values me. And God calls me. Well, thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, the one who comes, the one who came, we pray.
Amen. Amen. Amen.